Hi everyone, my name's Kathy English. I'm the chair of the Canadian Journalism Foundation. First of all, a happy Lunar New Year to all of those who celebrate. It's my pleasure today to welcome you to our first JTalks webcast of 2022. News for you, how TikTok is helping newsrooms reach new audiences. Thank you so much for joining us for these important conversations exploring pressing issues in journalism, including new approaches to our craft. We're so grateful for the generosity of our exclusive JTalk series sponsor, TD Bank Group, for making all of these conversations possible. Thanks also to our in-kind supporters, CPAC and Cision. If you would like to support the work of the CJF, you can donate now or at any time on the CJF website. A reminder, please save the date for this year's CJF Awards taking place on June 7 at the Art Gallery of Ontario. Fingers crossed, we'll be live. Stay tuned to our newsletter for updates in the coming weeks. Today's program is 45 minutes long. You can submit questions for our speakers anytime via the tab on your screen. If you'd like to tweet, and we hope you will, our hashtag, hashtag is JTalksLive. And now on to today's program. TikTok has quickly become one of the most popular video sharing applications in the world with more than 1 billion active users, 67% of whom are under 30 years old. That's a really valuable audience. Many newsrooms are now using TikTok to reach new audiences. So today we welcome a panel of trailblazing stellar storytellers who've thrived on the platform. I'm delighted to welcome them all. Joining us from Washington, DC is Dave Jorgensen, video producer at the Washington Post. From Toronto, Ontario, Evie Kwan, audience editor at the Toronto Star. And from London, England, Sophia Smith-Gaylor, senior news reporter at Vice World News. They'll all be in conversation with Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud, host of CBC's Pop Chat. It's such an honor to have you all with us today. Thank you so much, Elamine, over to you. Thank you so much for that introduction, Kathy. Uh, Y'all, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to talk about TikTok and talk about the ways that it is changing newsrooms, mostly because when I talk to journalists, the existential question is like, where do I go if I want to go to the audience? And regrettably, um, as I see more and more people on TikTok, more and more journalists that I know are like, that's not for me. I'm, I'm choosing to get off the ship here. The ship may continue on without me. And we don't want that. We, we would like to fix that a little bit. And so today we have three um, excellent journalists who are using TikTok in a wonderful way, in a really engaging way. Um, before we get into that conversation, why don't we start by showing off some of the work that they've done. Um, so these are just some examples of how um, these journalists use TikTok in their craft. Once was a ship in the Suez Canal that got even more famous than Paul Mescal. The 400 meter long ever given got stuck diagonally. How can one blocked waterway stop 12% of global trade? The alternative route around the Cape of Good Hope takes four weeks. Dave, the CDC cut isolation time for asymptomatic coronavirus infections. It's just five days now, not ten. We can go. Oh, okay, yeah. Tucked away in Toronto's Parkdale neighborhood is Isla's, a Filipino bar and grill serving authentic dishes. This is their signature dish, the Budeli for two, which features a whole fish snapper, chicken barbecue. Okay, I think the question on everyone's minds before we even continue on is, Sophia, did you harmonize, did you do all the harmony parts yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was incredible. That was my favorite thing. That TikTok, in terms of me coming up with the idea, Yeah. Um, writing the script which I had to research because I knew I uh I'm not an expert on the global supply chain despite all the LinkedIn ads that I got from people who work <laughs> in the global supply chain afterwards I know nothing about it but and then filming it and then putting it out it was two hours that it took okay. um and I was on a deadline because any minute that ever given could have been freed so I was terrified that I was going to do all that work and then it wouldn't be a news story anymore, but it was. 
I'll like cut to the narrator and then the ever given was not free it just remains stuck <laughs> for days and days okay I'm I'm excited to talk about the ways that you have all been using TikTok um but let me begin with uh why don't we begin with Dave and I want to begin with you because I'm interested in the ways that the Washington Post would have gotten would have responded to the notion that we are now to expand what we do onto this new platform um, we've all been parts of newsrooms where you get someone sitting in a corner who raises an eyebrow and says, you want to do what with what? Um, talk us through a little bit of the process of how that was launched. Well, the good thing is I have pretty bad vision, so I couldn't see their eyebrows <laughs> racing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's two things. We sort of kind of lucked into it. And at the same time, the reason that was able to happen is because Believe it or not, the post has always been about experimentation, at least to a point. So, you know, uh, this actually, someone was talking about this today, where we just hired Taylor Lorenz, and she said a part of the reason she wanted to come to the post was because we've been doing things like Reddit AMA since 2013 and TikTok since 2019. So, um, there was already, when I suggested we do this, there was already people actively posting on Reddit as the Washington Post, the whole Snapchat thing going, everything was already in place and experiment going around all the newsrooms. So I just said, why don't we just uh, try this TikTok thing? And, and uh, you know, the, the one thing that happened was they said, keep it under the radar. And I was like, sure. And then I, I did not do that. I was like, <laughs> blasted it all over Twitter uh, yes. as soon as I could. Uh, but yeah, we were very early ad adopters as well, which, which helped because especially then there just wasn't uh, as many news organizations, if, if journalists in TikTok at all. So there was a, there was a lot more people just wandering around looking for uh news or maybe they weren't yet but they they were eventually <laughs> I, I like this conception of yeah you can do it but keep it under the radar um, yeah. so, Sophia when you started doing this um with the BBC was that also like a similar approach of like sure we can try this but like let's not associate this with the main brand like let's not like you know be full-throated supporters of this kind of work in journalism yeah, so at the time I was a video journalist in faith and ethics for the BBC World Service, and that's the international radio network that the BBC has. And I started using TikTok because I thought, oh, it's very likely I already have to cut video for t uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If we go on TikTok, I'll have to cut it for TikTok. And I let me familiarize myself with the platform. It was never the plan to go on there and get big on there but my mm -hmm. first my experience is I hear it time and time again from other people as well but like my first video went viral and it made you made me think oh I can I can do more of this this is interesting mm -hmm. um it was the more that I did that I actually got told by uh, my employer not to put my journalism on there um and there were always various reasons supplied for why I shouldn't be putting my work on there mm -hmm. on the other hand I had other people in management tell me keep doing what you're doing it's really good mm -hmm. um and I could see the dividends that were being paid I I could see I could see an increase in people following me everywhere I could see people dming me with stories they wanted me to report on mm -hmm. I could I could see this was very much an era on TikTok where the vibes in the comment sections were just lovely I think now they remain lovely but now they're a little bit more kind of infected with people who are a bit nasty but okay. generally speaking they're, they're very very nice and so it, this, it felt like a phenomenon I'd never felt before and, and online relationships I was beginning to foster that I'd never experienced in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I, by the time I would go on to leave the BBC, I had persuaded some people and not persuaded others. Um, where I had succeeded, I had succeeded in finding stories on there. Um, I broke the story that uh, Donald Trump's campaign was covertly using the app to campaign, despite the fact he was trying to saying he was trying to ban it. Mm -hmm. um, I also like did a story on the misuse of political ads during the uh, U.S. election, and I was able to get those stories through on the BBC, and you know, brought them in as exclusives for our tech desk. So I was able to demonstrate mm -hmm. the importance of the app and how I could use it for news gathering and, and work with people to help create audiovisual content like radio documentaries or television documentaries. Um, mm -hmm. But ultimately I did not succeed in persuading BBC News to get on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I have to say that like this sort of bristling relationship between newsrooms and new emerging platforms is like a tale as old as time. I have to imagine that like 
when they were beginning to put news on the television. Someone was like, wait, you want to do what? Like news exists like on paper and nowhere else. And also maybe just the radio. Um, Evie, I want to talk to you about the response that you got in the star in terms of saying, okay, I'm going to foster our community here and I'm going to sort of build it up from the start. And this is what we're going to focus on. How did you, did you have to sell it in any kind of way? To be honest, like, I'm just going to bring it to this guy, Dave. Like we saw that in the Washington Post. They were like, yo, what are, what, what are y'all gonna do about this? And of course, I was already on it on my, by myself, you know, like sure. as someone who's a social and audience editor, my the only thing I really don't wanna become, even if I'm like 90 and I'm suck at it, is like not caring about technology or not trying. Like sure. I wanna try, like, cause I wanna meet people where they are and that's what we yeah. do. Um, so uh, I really have to shout out, you know, the people on our team to really try to push it. So, um, you know, we hired a lot of uh, younger journalists on my, on my team. That was really important. They're actually, Gen Z and I'm on the cusp millennial. So they know way more than me, but basically because uh, you know we were able to come together and really think about new strategies, which really is about like hiring new people, you know, like people straight mm -hmm. out of school. Like I don't need people with the same experience to, you know, who have done it for years. I want people who are fresh and new. And so um, my team, which consists of um, three and we do all posting, we also write stories. So like on TikTok, we don't, we don't just focus on TikTok, but we at least try to get one out once a day which is you know for a local newspaper a little bit more difficult but we try and like um i really have to shout them out for giving great ideas um but really it's because people trailblaze like dave thank you for you know doing all that stuff and like really showing like news could be funny and we still are kind of trying to mold that because we're like we can't be him like we're not him like maybe you can find someone like him but like what we just do is like try to give people news and the biggest thing i discovered is like you know people actually want to just taken information regardless of age like they don't always want to be treated like children like which was like a big thing when we started like you guys should like do dances on there and there's nothing wrong with that or you guys should do like fun whatever but like there's also moments for information which is really important and just getting it to people and to treat like that kind of new segment as something like you know they're not going to understand or like they don't want news they just want fun stuff that is so not the case and i just think that's so amazing and uh if i can i just want to shout out my team and all three uh are people who graduated this year and i'm very proud of them you know they're working full-time making tiktoks um manuela liban and maddie uh i'm just so proud of you guys for really trying to blaze through and we know with canadian media it's a bit slower even to compare to the us or even the uk mm -hmm. but uh that's something we're really proud of and we're slowly growing with you two as like huge examples too so David, I want to pick up on something that Evie just said that is interesting to me because like I inherently think that news is funny. It's important and it's rich with information, but also like there's no good reason why it can't be inherently funny unless like something very serious and devastating and tragic is happening. We can turn a lot of news stories into something that is digestible through humor in that way. Um, I think there is um, a resistance against that, but also there is also like, I think as we begin to embrace that, how do you conceive of like stories that work through that treatment? Like we saw like that, that video that we just watched at the start was like the nugget of the information was, okay, the CDC is changing the rules around isolation, but you're like, well, we don't need to be that serious about this. Like we can sort of have fun with that. So how do you, how do you begin to think about that? It's definitely a, a case by case basis. And before I forget, let me thank Evie for those very kind words and also just legitimizing us by making your own team because then it was very lonely there for a minute. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of, it was like us and USA Today and then Sophia and then I was like, someone else. So thank you. Um, so uh, yeah, but uh, in terms of just like, I guess tone, that's something we think about a lot. So uh, in addition to the comedy of it, and certainly I'm in the same boat as you, um, back in college, I interned at the then Colbert Report. So I'm very much coming from this world of like everything is funny in the news if you look at it through a certain angle yeah. um but of course there are obviously moments where like this is too serious for us to to do any kind of joke on and, and that certainly has happened but for the most part i do feel like uh we stick to something that we just call information takeaway and if someone can watch a tiktok and on the first time without even just opening the app and it just appears and they understand what we're talking about on that first loop um, that is the best case scenario. And that was kind of the case with that, that Celine Dion, Dion one, which is like, there's something silly happening here, but I think actually a lot of people were getting a lot of information out of it because we, we caught their attention. Um, and then the second, third, fourth, hopefully hundredth loop they're watching because they just enjoyed it. 
So mm -hmm. I'm very much trying to get your attention, but also we really do want to actually have you walk away having learned something um, at the very least, um, have an interest in this topic that maybe you didn't care about before, because that to me is one of my favorite things about TikTok. And it's not really the reason I got into it, but it's something I've just appreciated more and more is because the way the app works, where you just open up your phone, it's not like a lot of other social media platforms where you've already um, kind of curated what you want to see. Certainly mm -hmm. the algorithm does that to an extent, but there's still a level of like, you're getting a lot of content from people that you maybe don't even follow on your For You page versus other platforms that prioritize everyone that you're following. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's like a big edge we have in terms of just like trying to get your attention, but also like, okay, now you know about Russia-Ukraine relations when you never ever <laughs> would have looked it up on your own. Right, and like, nor was it your intention to actually like look it up on your own, right? Like that's- Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sophia, when I think about some of your TikToks, you don't really shy away from like a significant amount of information either. Like I know that, you know, like the, the stuff that Dave was just talking about, like, yeah, we can have a short little takeaway, but certainly you've had fairly lengthy TikToks that are like, here's the history of sexual education in the UK and how we got here. Um, to me, like, that's really interesting. It's interesting to sort of like conceive of a significant amount of information, four, five, six pieces of information that you need to communicate in one TikTok and say, yeah, this can still be the platform for that. Because I think that's something that can be intimidating for a lot of journalists who want to formulate a TikTok around just one thing, but you're like, no, I think we can do more of that. So can you talk, talk to me about how you conceive of those longer TikToks? Yeah, I also never understand. I always get asked, and it's always by um, very sort of senior journalists who are only mm -hmm. really used to like TV and radio. Mm -hmm. um, they'll be like, how do you get so much in such a short bit of content? Mm -hmm. And these are people who have worked in a medium where they know how to shove so much information in a really <laughs> short radio bulletin. Sure. Um, and there's this there's this kind of sort of mental congruence where they don't work out that that skill set that they've honed for doing that is exactly the same that you would for TikTok. The beauty about TikTok is that um, I don't have to think about speaking at this slow pace like I would if I was on radio. Like there's something mm -hmm. about TikTok where you know the audience can rewatch it if they missed something. You know that um, you know that generally. Gen yeah, generally the speed of, of speech is quite fast and upbeat. Um, you, you're really meeting audiences where they are and you're just making the content to be exactly like theirs. And just like when someone comes to TikTok and they spend a minute telling an anecdote about something that's happened to them that's really funny or really tragic, um, everyone kind of develops the skill of, okay, how do I fit this into a minute? I need to either mm -hmm. squeeze this into a minute or I need to work out how I'm going to do like for part two um, and keep the audience coming, watching for more. Um, but yeah, I think that it's all about choosing. There's no desperate need to fill in every little inch of the news story in a mm -hmm. one minute TikTok. It's about putting the bit in that is gonna interest people. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can direct them to, you know, if this was interesting, there's more here. There's more here. And then maybe they'll go follow, you know, that look, check out that additional content. Otherwise, um, there's absolutely no um, issue in fitting information into one minute. In fact, one minute is quite a generous amount of time if you're used to broadcasting. Um, mm -hmm. And there are numerous times I remember at the BBC where I used to have to file a television package that would be about one minute 30. And because it's TV, because speech has to be slightly slower for TV, um, and because you had to sort of always apply, you you know, write scripts to pictures, um, mm -hmm. far harder for me making a telly package than it ever has been making a TikTok. <laughs> I think there's a lot of TV journalists who'd be hearing that and like feeling a little bit shocked about it. And maybe let's actually, let's get into that. Um, Evie, I want to talk about the visual language of TikTok because... I feel like a lot of us take selfies, but a lot of us are not used to sort of just like putting a camera up to our faces and just starting to speak. Um, and, and, and maybe like, maybe that's a skill that takes a little bit of time to train in terms of like understanding the visual language, the visual tone of TikTok and like how to communicate in that. Um, was that natural to you? Did it take a bit of time to develop? Because you mentioned that you're like, I wanna go where the audience is, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like you come pre-equipped being like, I'm ready for this this place um absolutely not i think the first video which was just a straight shot like was mm -hmm. not just a straight shot like just segments of five seconds ten seconds took me two hours and i was like this is 
not right. Like, this is crazy. I don't know <laughs> if I can do it. Sure. Um, but it was more so just like, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're print at the star. That's mainly what we do. We're print. And then we have a website. So none of us are like really out here, even wanting to like, I, like we all work from home and we're not like trying to look good or anything or get ready, but that's now it's like really changed. Like the game has changed. I can't just be showing up. Like, I mean, unless the story really sh- like is about that, like kind of disheveled or whatever and whatever, it doesn't matter, but that's kind of why I like TikTok. Cause it's like, it's they don't it's not about like the most beautiful videos or like 4k like it's not about that at all like there's just like some amazing ratty things you can do like with it like have a bad green screen on the on on, like on your back behind you and just like use that as a storytelling method and I just really really appreciate that I think it's just so organic and when it's too overdone I actually find that like people kind of lose trust in it um Mm. so what we tried to do is just like we're just being really straight with the news and just being like, here's the news if you really need it, like COVID stuff, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we haven't, you know, tried experimenting with, you know, a big thing that we do there is Star Eats, which is like we go when, like to places and just explain different cultures food and how to eat it. And that's like something that we think is amazing because in Toronto, we really hold ourselves high for being, you know, extremely diverse in terms of our food and also we love our food. And so um, just giving people like on-scene stuff and also just like, really working with our iPhones. Like I not, I'm not asking for a big camera crew to come out here and like do all this stuff. Like there's, I think that's why I love it so much more because it's like, we do feel like we're in control as people creating it. And Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many fun elements we can put in it. But uh, there's something said that it's like, it's a barrier that breaks for anyone. Even if you're just an influencer and you're not doing news or someone like the algorithm works in such a way that like this person who again, might've posted their first video or like their third video about like, I don't know, something like their grandma said, like that could blow up. And so like people really, Mm -hmm. I think on the app want like genuine stuff, like genuine, funny, you know, like more relaxed kind of way of communicating. And that's why I really like it. And so that 40 video, like this is not like a wellness Instagram platform. It's like completely to me. I know there's a world like that there, but Mm -hmm. it's a bit more raw and a bit more um, open to that, I would say. I, I guess like if you are a newsroom and you're considering pouring resources into sort of developing a TikTok team, I would say, Dave, that maybe you've been burned before. Maybe you've been around long enough to have been burned before by several other platforms pivoting to video and then saying, this is really important and this is really where the audience is going to be. And then like two minutes later, then just like piecing out and be like, actually, that was a lie and we're done here. And you're like, but I just spent millions of dollars building up this department. And now you're telling me that I just like need this like new visual language, but like it's relatively unpolished videos after I've gotten all my audience used to like, you know, text on video um, to be posted on Instagram that's like 30 seconds long. it feels like a gamble in that way because you're so um, you're 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 seeing TikTok blow up and you're like the audience is definitely there but like why should I be there? So what what's your answer to that in terms of being like I know you've been burned before but it's time for you to sort of like expend this energy on it. Any anyone that's been in video journalism long enough has been burned at least yeah, once, if not facts. if not ten times. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and so I I've personally experienced that before coming to the post at my first job where. With Facebook, we were told a lot of things, including, you know, mm-hmm. invest in Facebook Live. And boy, did that not pan out. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, we were working on, we had a Vine account, which uh, I'm very grateful that we had it. But RIP, uh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Divine. Um, yeah. But I, I'm very, that, that's actually how I really learned how to edit concisely because Vine was six and a half seconds, of course. And, um, yeah. But that is really where I, I actually picked up a lot of techniques on editing. Um, and how to do it quickly in a fast turnaround. So that's all what I'm saying here is that that was just part of an evolution. Mm. And I think TikTok is part of this evolution, but a very significant part. So um, sure, it could go away. But even if it did, it has had such a large impact that Instagram is already, uh, you know, trying to copy it. Other platforms are trying to copy as best they can. So even if TikTok as an app disappeared tomorrow, that mm-hmm. culture, that text on screen video, everything that we do on a daily basis at the post and everyone here does, uh, yeah. that would still exist else. Like that audience would be hungry for it still. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the further evolution and, and, and Vine being like the sort of predecessor of like, maybe we should have videos and watch them on our phones instead of our computer screens. And then it, Snapchat was like, what if it was vertical? And then mm-hmm. Instagram started doing that more. Then TikTok said, what if it, you just open the app and it's all right there and you're just scrolling a video all the time. So I think that's where we are. And, and I think, uh, I don't think that's going anywhere. It's just kind of about sort of um, not necessarily anticipating the next step because that's really tough. 
uh, and you can try, but also just being prepared to be flexible, not necessarily pivot, just kind of have the ability to be flexible because TikTok itself has also evolved so much in the last two years uh, mm -hmm. in our favor as well, because it used to be, I don't know, we would try to do 12 second videos. Now, some of our most successful videos, especially just this month have been well over 40 seconds, which is uh, a, a delightful surprise. So it's, it's working out. <laughs> so uh, let's get into that actually. Sophia, let's talk about your, your audience and what you think of their expectations are. Like, what do you think they come to you for? Ooh, that's a big question. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I definitely think that a strategy of mine, which has paid off, is that over time I do, I just will drip feed genre of stories that are really important to me, which are also connected to the reporting I do. They are also connected to the, the presence I'll put forward elsewhere, like on my Twitter and my Instagram, like in the whole ecosystem of my social media presence. I hope there is some sense of sort of fluidity, mm -hmm. but um, I definitely think that people know that I will not only use the app to talk about personal news stories I have covered, but it might have been other stuff I have encountered online and want to talk about. Mm -hmm. or it will be completely random stuff that isn't connected to my journalism, but is connected to personal interests that I have. Mm -hmm. And in the UK, especially, I imagine um, sort of in North America as well, these conversations are happening too. But in the UK, we're constantly talking about trust in the media. Do you trust journalists? Like yes. this, is, this is something that audiences are constantly polled on. Um, and news organizations are existentially obsessing over how trusted their brands are. And I could just see really early on how um, I was kind of lied to when it came to, if you want to be a trustworthy reporter, you have to be super, super objective and kind of austere and never really give too much away on your social media. And mm -hmm. that's it. Um, and I've realized that you can be an impartial, um, objective reporter, but you can have personality. You can lead your audiences onto a journey with you that you are also journeying on. And it's, um, you don't have to sit there kind of looking like this distant expert or sort of very patrician broadcaster. Like that, the age of that kind of reporter does not suit the age of sort of journalism that I want to cater for. Um, so I guess ultimately, I almost don't want people to come to my page thinking, oh, that journalist. I just want them to come and think, Sophia, you know, mm -hmm. I know her kind of thing. That's, mm -hmm. that's the vibe I hope I kind of curate. Do you feel like that undermines your, I guess like something about this profession and maybe it happens with a few other professions, but swear to God, no other profession has this where like journalist, capital J becomes like a part of your core identity in a weird way. Do you, have you like divested yourself from that? Are you like, I'm, I'm post-journalist, bro. I'm something, I'm sort of oh something God. else. I, 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 I don't really mean that in the sense that like, it sounds like you're like, I want that identity to be maybe like second and not first. Post-journalist is such yeah. a galaxy brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's really good. It, it leads on to what a number of conversations are nowadays, which is, journalists and content creators like where's the boundary are you is technically speaking I think all journalists are content creators it's just it's the true. content might not be super digital you know the content maybe like I was saying earlier you might make radio docs that is still content um but I I think I think the opposite I think I know that a lot of people will have I know that I have like a name attribution and relationship with a lot of people that other reporters my age won't necessarily have with audiences because they aren't on TikTok. And mm -hmm. I really do attribute TikTok to that, even though I've been on loads of other social media platforms, mm -hmm. nothing ever put me as in front of as many eyeballs as TikTok did. Um, and in terms of like my personal career development, it's my ability to use the app and what I've gotten out of the app has done so many wonderful things for me. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, it's also never stopped me from all the investigations I've obviously done on TikTok and all the sure. news gathering I do on there, all the times I've reported on everything from anti-vaxxers to incels, gaming its algorithm. Um, ultimately, that's all it is. It's a mm -hmm. tool. It's a tool I use. 
Um, and ultimately, it's a tool I use that remains a platform that is frequently quite problematic. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like a very difficult relationship that I guess you have being a TikTok journalist because you're you are intimately acquainted with the problems of the platform as well as mm -hmm. the benefits. Um, Evie, let me ask the same question to you. What do you think your audience comes to you for in terms of you know how you conceive of your stories? Um, so, you know, we, again, we, we make sure to put out stuff like that people need to know, because I mean, I don't know if you know, we're in Ontario, which has been under, I think one of the longest lockdowns in North America. I don't, I don't we're know. We're number one. We're, yeah, number okay. One. So people Absolutely. need, people yeah. need this information like yeah. tomorrow, like, Hey, can I open up? Yeah, sure. Today you can open up. Like it really happens like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, we really try to move that information and like, there's a big thing, of course, like my own what I do on audience and then obviously my own passion is just like we know that there's a lot of trust to build back with people and to build new trust with younger people you know people of color and there's that's a really really important thing to us and like because mm -hmm. there's social media social media exists like that's given a lot of those kind of people a space to have a platform to share something and I think one thing that TikTok has also given us like our audience is pretty wide I really like hope and pray it doesn't turn into our Instagram audience where there's like a bunch of spammers and stuff you just can't deal with, with that it's kind of going there a little bit like sure. some stuff about like forex trading I don't even want to ask just spam basically um but there are really engaging conversations in the in the in the comments you know there's like mm -hmm. long threads of people talking about different things and they are of different ages but one thing that we do know is that we are seeing people you know gravitate towards their stuff who are younger and also like people who feel like, you know, journalism has never served them. And to be honest with you, when I grew up, I didn't read major newspapers. My family didn't see themselves reflected. So I didn't read that. So mm -hmm. what I want to do is just make sure that we get the information out to people. And like the two are saying, meet people where they are, because that's so, it's so important. And regardless of who you are. And one thing that we also use TikTok for is we also get stories from there. And we saw how like a lot of uh, Canadian uh, indigenous, you know, creators, got were you know found their like not found their voice on there they've always had their voice but were amplified by that app when for so long they've been saying the same thing you know there's a we get to see the type of water that they're drinking you know and it's, it's unfortunate to say but the water is like brown and murky and like where else are you going to see all this stuff like of course you can put it on twitter on instagram but mm -hmm. it's just a bit different that app where sure. there was a lot of uh, sharing through that. And we also write stories about these creators. And so it's kind of a give and take, but my main thing and our, my, what my team wants to do is to make sure that everyone has access to information. We know there's barriers. We know there's distrust. We know there's people who can't afford to, you know, perhaps have that. So yeah. as far as we can push it, uh, that's why we're passionate to be on it. Uh, and even though analytics in a traditional newsroom might not, it's a bit hard to measure on TikTok. It's a little bit difficult, but uh, it's something that we still treasure and make sure that we do because it's a duty that we have to get information out. Okay, I literally have a million questions myself. However, if I don't start getting to these audience questions, I'm going to have like a bunch of people with pitchforks at my door. And so I'm going to start doing that now. Um, and I'm going to start with you on this one, Dave. And the question is, how can legacy brands with reporters who are decidedly not TikTokers, I'm directing this to you because you're Washington Post reporter, um, uh, legacy brands with reporters who are decidedly not TikTokers enter the space in a genuine and meaningful way and not immediately become like, hey, boomer memes? Uh, <laughs> well, you know what we did initially early on, and this still we do to some extent, especially when we were, when we were back in the pre-pandemic when we were in the newsroom yeah. uh whenever we had reporters on our tiktoks we really did lean into the like i don't know what we're doing here uh to it to a to a point where i would edit it to kind of it was a pleasing like it was a funny tiktok we were in on the joke but at the same time the people in the tiktok were like what's going on um and i do think that actually really helps kind of appeal to our audience and kind of give them a wink of like we know we're really old and we know we're a 144 year old newspaper but like we're trying to meet you in the middle, meet you where you are, as everyone keeps saying. Um, and that's a big part of it. I do think that, um, you know, as the same thing that, that Toronto Star has, like basically having a, a team of people that can create the TikToks and then approaching the other reporters in the newsroom with ideas uh, based off of their stories, which we do all the time. I think if you had the right people producing them, you can make anyone look uh, good in a TikTok, honestly, if you're, if you're doing it the right way. And um, anyone that's doing so earnestly and authentically, even if they're 
you know, uh, a reporter that's been on the, you know, the politics desk for 35 years and has never been open TikTok. Mm -hmm. There's a way to make it where what they can, you know, relate to the audience in a way the audience really appreciates. And that's been true from the very beginning is that authenticity is rewarded on TikTok. So if you're doing so earnestly, the audience is really going to respond to it in a way that I think a lot of people are surprised about and continue to be surprised about, but that's always been the case. I think, I think earnest is a really good word in that sense, because it is a pretty earnest platform. Like it's very welcoming of earnestness in a way that like, you know, Twitter is not like Twitter is really about irony and about snark. And it's like, exactly. You, you can do that sort of on TikTok, but it's like not inherently, you know, not receptive to, to earnestness. Um, this question is for Sophia. Uh, it's from Kat and Kat asks, you mentioned TikTok can be problematic. Oh boy. It's a question is in what ways do you see the app being problematic? And like, let's take two hours doing this because boy, that's going to take us a long answer, but go for it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the reasons the app is problematic are the same reasons that all social media platforms are problematic. So I think a lot of the criticisms we can raise against TikTok, we can raise against the others. That being said, because mm -hmm. of the way that it's algorithm works, it does seem to rapidly amplify content it should not be rapidly amplifying. Mm -hmm. um, Can you think of and, a recent example, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, something that I've been looking at and I'm keeping my eye on continuously is just misogyny online, generally speaking, but mm. I did find um, there was a trend that was, uh, it was, it was coming onto British For You pages. I could see it had been on Australian For You pages as well. So it was like a kind of English language trend. Um, mm. And it had, it was just, it was just an awful misogynistic trend that you would have thought would have been taken down at this point. And the hashtags associated with it and the emoji associated with it would have been somehow sort of addressed and they weren't. Mm -hmm. And then it invariably takes, me trying to report it into in the app and then it's like this doesn't violate guidelines and then i contact tiktok and i say hey and i give them seven videos for example and i'm like this is problematic and then always before actually i get a um right of their right of reply i will see that the videos have mysteriously disappeared from the <laughs> platform and that they've already taken action before responding to me sure. um and the other issue i would say is that the lack of transparency in general about, you know, rumored shadow banning, it just leaves a lot of room for lots of allegations to be made against the platform. And we truthfully will never, don't know if they're right or not when mm -hmm. certain times certain content doesn't seem to perform as well as you would think it would. Um, and then if this tends to be overwhelmingly suppressing certain communities, that's deeply upsetting. Mm -hmm. um and needs to be needs to be addressed whether it is um whether it's by algorithm algorithmic design or by algorithmic fault it needs to be addressed um mm -hmm. so those are sort of two examples that come to mind quickly yeah uh evie in terms of uh your use of tiktok this is a question from david and it's like so tiktok can be this game-changing tool to reach gen z is it at all useful for finding stories um, and, and young people's sources? Uh, has that come up at all in your line of work or no? Oh, for sure. Like we're constantly hoping to obviously always hear from new people. I think that's something that we always, you know, want to do. And before TikTok, we did, you know, look around Twitter, but you know, there's, it's not for some reason, it's obviously the same sort of pool of people, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, Instagram as well. But yeah, TikTok has actually like given us ideas and there's actually just like, there, there's just like groups of people and like influencers that are doing really positive and great things that you're like, oh my gosh, this person like is lives down the street from me or like they live in Mississauga, which is like, you know, a suburb of ours and they're just here yeah. dancing and just like, like that's a profile piece. Like that's really amazing. Mm -hmm. I think one that we're really, we're working on it because it's something that's just so fascinating to me. It's like someone named Coupon Cutie Canada who great is name. the ultimate cutie couponer like I don't know she's a couponer and she gets all these deals and like I use those deals that that's cool and like I want to yeah. write a piece about her I want to know what she does all day like she sits at home with her coupons and like you know makes all these videos and like where does she get the deals from how does she hear about it and so and and she's the kind that's kind of like Canada isn't as extreme as America but like she somehow gets money back on some of them and that's just like 
crazy to me. So I just wanted to like, those are kind of the stories of interesting people like, and what we cover, which is like Toronto and then Canada kind of thing. And those kind of interesting people that have really just blown up. Like she has so many followers. So that's an example of something that's like, that's a story and we're, we're covering it. That's the story. We're, we're going to see what the hell she does. And that's kind of a cool day in the life. But there's also other, you know, things like what are students talking about? And that's a very big thing mm -hmm. that's coming up with, because uh, again, we have had the longest uh, online learning of all of North America. And we have a lot of students sharing their points of view about it. Like, it's kind of sad not to see your friends. Your prom was over Zoom, which is like, hellish i don't even know how to describe that but uh you know getting them and using them as sources to see you know this is a story that's important to them whether or not like people in generally care about like prom or like what they're going through it's like you know that's the kind of story that we want to bring up you know young people and their voices and what's important to them so mm -hmm. constantly listening is a big part for us uh, it's not just like creating it's always listening so mm -hmm. um and treating it seriously obviously being mindful of like what is problematic and always you know Sophia uh, just broke it down really well, but you know, those kind of local stories that we really love and treasure about humans, like we really try to find ways to make those stories. And so other people in older generations and even read what's going on and what they feel about. Mm -hmm. uh, this question, Dave, you have been named specifically in this question. So the question is uh, the content you, cre you create is wonderful. It's fun and grabs new audiences, but it doesn't have a link to the content to the Washington Post <laughs> actually creates. What's the idea here behind, you know, the TikTok strategy of the organization as a whole? Because it seems like you're not trying to drive any page views. Uh, well, that that here? wouldn't be true. Uh, but I, I do. They really called me out here. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to call out TikTok on this specifically. But the, the short term solution, uh, and there are a few, is that we do have a link tree now. So if you go to the link in bio, um, you're able to see on that day every a link to every story that came out that day, including uh, usually some from the previous day as well. So uh, you have that. And then we also always include a comment thread now anywhere from two to five comments long with more details on the story. We've run into this issue, speaking of shadow banning, where we can't even write the phrase Lincoln bio anymore. That that comment doesn't exist. <laughs> you type it, it, no one else sees it but the Washington Post. Uh, so we're trying to find other ways to point people towards it. But I did notice, and this was a few months ago now, this was a while ago, uh, I, I make a point of trying to follow other uh, news or like on my personal account, because our post account follows like a fake Ashton Kutcher account and like nothing else. But on my personal account, uh, I follow like all these other international news organizations. And I noticed that um, I can't remember the name of it, but there was one. Um, uh, shoot, I think it's the one based out of Brazil. And anyway, they they were clearly getting the um, experimental links that TikTok was trying. And it was very specifically the link in bio, like instant article type thing that you see on Facebook and Instagram. Right. So TikTok is clearly testing this. I don't know when and how we get access, but I'm waiting for that moment. It's not as if they don't have the capabilities. Right now you can link like a Wikipedia page for some reason, which I do ironically as much as possible. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, you are able to do it hopefully sooner rather than later. And in the meantime, we are trying to drive traffic in our own ways. But I will say that, you know, every so often we have TikToks of, hey, we have a special TikTok subscription deal. And we put those TikToks out there. And that always ends up driving uh, a decent amount of our followers to subscribe to the post, which is something that up until recently, they thought we were in Washington State near Seattle. We get that joke all the time. They, th they thought my name was Washington and I was posting like so we've yeah, already Dave gone from Washington. step A to, to, to F. Yeah, they're, 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 yes, exactly. And I'll take it, like, as long as they subscribe, whatever you want to call me. But uh, we've <laughs> yeah. taken them uh, on a journey. This for is sure. Dave Washington Post. Good name. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm going to collapse a bunch of questions that we have here into one, um, which is, you know, how do you think about, I mean, this question, we'll start with Sophia on this one, which is, how do you think about storytelling and formats? And essentially, like, what qualifies to you as a story and then how do you sort of put it in a bucket that is like here's like a here's how i'm going to tell the story it it, it it you know it involves this genre or this kind of storytelling format yeah from my perspective it's about first of all i'm like is this story something i've covered from afar or am i there covering it um so the majority of the time in the pandemic i've obviously been covering it from afar um and a lot of the stories a lot of the reporting that i do you know i do a lot of reporting on like sort of more digital culture stories so inevitably they're they're um digital based but there have there has been times like there was a tiktok that i made that it was one of those instances sometimes you make a tiktok that goes viral and 
you upload it to other platforms like Twitter and Instagram and it does nothing. Like it's yeah. so not meant, it was, it's so TikTok specific. This yeah. was an example of a video that did really well everywhere. Um, but I was at COP26, I was covering mm -hmm. um, the climate conference that was happening in Glasgow. And um, there was just a really good opportunity to, to film some things that I'd observed and um, do it in a, in what would be a fairly traditional like vlogging style, like you're just filming yourself and then you're filming yourself walking around and you're explaining things to camera. Um, that's obviously one way you can treat it. But if you're from afar, you know, you can do it in a, in a again, a, still a fairly kind of traditional explainer format. You just do it in the TikTok way. Um, you may wish to actually highlight, you may want to bring off TikTok content into the app. So you might want to use sort of image overlays. You may want, I, I like increasingly doing this now, but with my, you know, fairly new job that I now have with Vice, mm -hmm. um, I will screenshot the, the headline and the Vice logo and it has my name and I'll be able to say, you know, I can visually show my audience straight away. I've just been, this is my latest story. And that's a kind of, you're immediately establishing with people who may not know who you are. Oh, all right, she, she wrote that. Yeah, she'll know what it's about because she did it. I'll, I'll stick around and I'll listen kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end of all those ideas, I always have an eye on trends. I mean, this is what Washington Post just does super, super well. Um, always is so good at adapting trends to like a journalistic niche. Um, and with me, like sometimes there'll be something um, that I think, oh yeah, that's that's great. That actually happens to really go with this story that I'm working on this week. And then other times that that marriage just just doesn't happen. It's a hard fit, and, yeah. And the busier that the busier I am. Um, I obviously can't keep on top of trends in the way that I would like to. Um, and that's just a quick note to make about time. This all takes so much time. Um, so when I was at the BBC, I was always doing it in my spare time. Like I was doing it in lockdowns, in lunch break, and then after work, something that I can do because I have no dependence. I didn't have to go and look after kids. I didn't even have to go like, you know, look after a dog after work. I could just sit down and TikTok to my heart's content. Sure. Um, it's, it is very time consuming in a way that perhaps making good quality content for Twitter and Instagram may not necessarily be. Mm. What about you, Evie? How do you think about that question? How do you think about the question of like, okay, here's a story format. I think this is a story I'm going to put in that kind of genre. Yeah, I mean, even when it comes to what kind of story. So again, I said like breaking news and really clear info and just the way we decided to, you know, use the words and how we're talking. I'm just going to talk to you like I'm your friend, like, hey, restaurants are open tomorrow, but wear a mask and show your thing. You know, like that's kind of the way you just have to do it. Because again, like I think personally, like, like if you say too much and like jargony stuff like people are just like totally lost and that's the whole point of like why some people don't like to read traditional ways and want just like a very easy way to listen to something or mm -hmm. hear something um but other stories that we choose to do are definitely like very visually based like you know we don't have too much time because uh we have a smaller team but we, and we do all different types of platforms so and we have people writing at the same time so it's really just about really great multitasking but we do prioritize stories of you know, we know that the media hasn't covered every single community that much, right? So when there's yes. an opportunity and stories to tell their story, because we know that's a whole, like that's missing. And for a fairer, um, more, you know, a fair coverage of anything, we really try to celebrate that. So we will give stories about, like, let's just say today, Lunar New Year and maybe traditions or like, you know, what it's what's about. And that might be lighter, but that really helps the community, you know, feel like they're part of it while teaching people new things. And um, also yeah. stories of, uh, you know, people who are temp workers and stories of people who are, you know, in a precarious immigration status. Like these are things that I think Canada obviously has an idea that they're like super multicultural and nice and blah, blah, blah. And everyone knows all that like around the world, but there's real stories where that clearly isn't true. And so uh, those stories actually resonate so widely with people, international audiences. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe Canada could be like that. So in our decision-making, mm. a lot of that has to be like stories that are human. Maybe it's a very um, focused level where it's about one family, one person to give a bigger idea of what actually can go on multiple times and 
you know, all over the place around Canada, but those kind of profiles that come with amazing photos, uh, even if we're able just to convey their story and, you know, all the work that our reporters do to get that story anyways. Um, there have been things that like we've seen a video do really well and we have a reporter named Nicholas Kung who does immigration and often what he's able to do is like actually stop them from getting deported. It's actually really quite amazing. And it's like the more amplification there is and the more uh, sharing that is, it just helps people understand what the issues are in Canada slash uh, what people, the hardships that people go through here. Yeah, listen, the stakes of Nicholas's work and my work are very different. Like for me, like if someone's like, I disagree with you, that's as bad as my day gets. Nicholas can literally sort of influence sort of like deportation events. Like that's to me is like, I can't deal with that. Um, Dave, listen, all this panel has had many wonderful words to say about your work. So we're going to give the last word to you about this, which is, you know, do you reach over to a shelf and be like, these are the formats we know work and we're going to put them to these formats? Or is every story like a new adventure? How do you, how do you think about that? Uh, it's a new uh, chaotic and really a stressful adventure every day. And then we look back <laughs> and get it and we're happy for about 10 minutes and the next day, like, okay, let's do it again. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I, and a shout out to my team. So I, uh, Chris, formerly Chris the intern, now Chris the employee, uh, was hired in December, <laughs> along with Carmela, and they're incredible what they do. And and a part, a big part of their job that that uh, I think Sophia had just briefly mentioned there is like when you're looking for trends, and sometimes I I don't have time to do it every day, and so they're really good at also finding these trends. And uh, and sometimes we see something and we go okay, uh, this could be a really good trend for, but let's wait for, let's sit on it for a couple of days until we see an article that applies to it. Mm -hmm. um, but the big overall rule is like, if you are doing a story, whether it's an original script or based off a trend or something in between or based off of a 90s sitcom, which are like 80% of my TikToks, um, then it, whatever you're doing in that TikTok, you need to either, it needs to be clear that you are having fun while doing it and or you're engaged because going back all the way to that authenticity, like sometimes it's really easy to get kind of caught in the sort of just every day of it all. And you're just trying to get, cause we put out four TikToks every day and you're just trying to keep up to that totally made up uh, measure that I made by the way. Like I just said, we're gonna do four now. And we started at one point it was two. I don't know why I do this to us. Anyway, uh, you're trying to meet that uh, that goal every day. And if, but yeah. if you're not engaged, you're having fun on that TikTok, it's gonna show and people are gonna understand that. and like. The TikTok you showed at the top of this, like I was clearly having a ton of fun with that one and it showed. <laughs> and, and at the same time, you're also, it's also like, you know, you're getting the information that you want out of it. So I, I we really try to prioritize that above all else. And then after you've shot it, that's when we get to the nitty gritty of editing and making sure that we, we have something that we're proud of. So um, there's a lot of thought that goes into all of it, but it's always worth it. It's definitely one of, of, of any platform I've worked with. It's the most rewarding, especially instantaneously, which, you know, it's pretty good for my dopamine for sure. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that is a sound of many hiring managers slamming a desk and saying, get me the youngest person on my team so that they can begin figuring out this journey. Thank you. Thank you, Evie. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for taking us through the journey that is TikTok. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it, y'all. And thanks to everyone who sent in questions and participated in this. This has been such a delight. Um, I hope that we took away a lot that we can sort of like begin to apply in our journalistic practices. Um, if you like what you saw, we'd like you to join the CJF's next JTalk uh, live event, which is reporting on the ground in Afghanistan. That's on February 22nd. Um, and a reminder that you can find videos and podcasts of these past talks on the CJF site. Um, and stay up to date on all the events, sign up for the newsletter or follow CJF on social media. My name is Elamine Abdul Mahmoud. It's been a ride, y'all. Have a good day. Bye.